Hello and welcome back to the Mindful Belly Don't Eat Your Feelings podcast. I'm your host and health coach, Ellie Rome. In this episode, I'm so excited to share with you guys an interview I had with Annette Lopez. She is a nutritional therapy practitioner and a mental wellness coach. She's a trained psychotherapist and master NLP coach, and she helps clients achieve a wide range of personal, emotional, and physical health goals. And Annette and I both really bonded over the carnivore diet. Um, I met her here in Austin, and she is exploring the carnivore diet as well and works working to optimize her own health too. And she is very well-versed in female hormonal health, and so it was really fun getting to talk with her. And, and she's also being an NLP coach, I'm fascinated by NLP. And so really love that we got to dive deep into NLP in this episode and female hormonal health. This is something that is so important and I'm getting increasingly more passionate about it because I just see women over and over and over coming to me with infertility, with hormone issues, with PCOS. And a lot of times they're not coming to me for that, but it's, associated problems. They're coming because they want to lose weight or they have sugar addiction or they've got gut issues, but then I get their health history and they've got all these underlying problems, these other things that are going on. And they're not different problems. They're often stemming from the same root cause and it's diet, lifestyle stressors that are driving all of this. And this is, you know, I, so many of my friends having horrible periods and this is, I used to experience that when I was eating standard American diet, I had awful PMS symptoms, it's horrible cramps, super clotty, super headaches, just like would have to take naps, cramps, cystic acne, all the things. And I changed my diet and it was like, oh my gosh, it was a, it was a whirlwind difference. And to recognize things like PCOS, like so much of that is driven by inflammatory foods inflammatory foods and what's on the end of your fork. So by being able to empower yourself that you can find healing by, by prioritizing yourself and optimizing your diet and your stress levels, it's the best medicine there is. And I would go to the doctor. I remember specifically one time I went to, for my, my annual gynecology appointment and I, I had missed a period and I know it was because I was super stressed out the month before, but he asked me, the doctor, it was a new doctor that I'd never been to before because I was just going for that annual. And he, they asked me about my cycle and I was like, oh I, oh, I missed last month. And he was like, oh, that's okay. We're just gonna, we'll write you some hormones and we'll get that period right back. And I literally stared at him and was like, what? Like, you didn't ask me anything about my diet, anything about my lifestyle. You literally know nothing about me. And you were just gonna write me a prescription? And what's so upsetting is that like, luckily I was in a place where I knew to push back and be like, no, I'm not taking that. Most people aren't in that place because we trust our doctor. We want to be able to trust our doctor. Like you, you probably have so much other stuff going on. It's like, that's who you're putting your, like, basically you're giving them your power, but I invite you to take it back and to question things and to, you know, research stuff before you just blatantly take anything because a lot of times, I mean, I cannot tell you the amount of clients that I have that are prescribed way over prescribed things or prescribed things. And there was, they've not been, the full picture has not been looked at. And so it's really frustrating. And I am so sorry that you've experienced this. So that's what, why I wanted to have Annette on here and talk about these female hormones and talk about things that you can do today to start balancing yourself back out. And I tell this to my research and my clients, y'all, it's 1% each day, just focus on that 1% that you can do a little bit better. Can you take a little 1% more of a break today? Can you drink 1% more water today? Can you shift your plate, make one simple swap? And those changes will massively transform you over time. And if you need help, like that is what I'm here for. Support and accountability makes all the difference in the world and you showing up for yourself and being able to streamline the process and make it a lot easier. And so that's why I've started offering a three-week coaching program one-on-one. -on -one. Um, normally, I just do 90-day programs and six-month programs, but it has been an increasingly requested need for a shorter program. People have been asking about it, and so I have decided to do a three-week one-on-one program. 
So if you just need a jump start, if you just need someone to help you get started and build that momentum, reach out. I'm here for you. All right. Well, with that, let's go to the show. Hi, Annette. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much yeah. for taking the time to be on here. Absolutely. Yes. I'm so excited to get to talk with you. Um, for our listeners, I just had a session with Annette and it was amazing. Um, <laughs> we did a, a, some energy work and it was really, really healing in, in some childhood stuff that I've had. So <laughs> yeah, she's awesome. And that's why I wanted to have her on here today. But um, if we can start off with Annette, if you want to just share with listeners who you are, what you do. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. I feel like in Austin, everybody, it's like a six degree of Kevin Bacon kind of situation, right? Like we met through MSW Lounge, which is health and wellness based. And the community here is just amazing. And I'm in health and wellness. I'm a nutritional therapist and I have a background of psychotherapy as well. So I was a practicing psychotherapist I've always had this inclination to want to help people. Like, how can we just be better versions of ourselves, right? And drop the stuff we've picked up from childhood or life. And I went through a, a period where I lost 70 pounds and I saw how much my depression in just completely lifted when I went paleo and eliminated a lot of inflammatory foods. And I thought, okay, I'm helping people. I'm a therapist, but the missing link was nutrition. Like I just right away saw that because I went through that process. And so I went back to study nutrition. And now what I do is just more of a holistic approach to wellness. So I really value nutrition and then the psychological and spiritual health as well. Because I feel like you can't have just one or the other. It's all encompassing. So somebody comes to work with me and I say, okay, are you open to working on yourself as well, aside of nutrition and a meal plan and whatnot? And for those that are committed enough and want to invest in themselves, I say, all right, let's do it. Cause I've been there. I was 70 pounds heavier. I had severe depression. I was way more introverted. I was just a different person. And I want to get this in the hands of everybody. Like, how can you find what's right for you? and work on yourself spiritually, mentally, emotionally as well. Yes, thank you, Annette. Yeah. I think this is so important for people because so often I get the same thing. People come want just like a nutrition plan or just like, just tell me what to eat. And I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, but it ends up being, like that's like the first session and then it ends yeah. up being just so much more. It's like so much is such like a psychological, emotional feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. And for you, I guess, if we can go back a little bit, like before, yeah. like, how'd you even find paleo? Like, what was your journey like? Yeah, so I, I had the quarter life crisis. <laughs> and as a woman, it kind of hit at 24, 23, not 25, you know, and I was 70 pounds heavier, but I was doing all the right things, air quote, you know, I was eating everything organic whole grain, everything organic dairy, a lot of soy, just a lot of foods that were inflammatory. And I went to a wellness clinic because uh, a friend of mine had done the HCG diet, which I know is very controversial, but I'd had seen friends that had done it and they had great results. So I signed up and I did it and I lost about 15 pounds. And the doctor said, this is great. And now when you go back to real life, not on this protocol, you can't be eating these foods that are, that are causing inflammation in your body. It's contributing to mood stuff, possibly your weight gain. I had almost no nutrients in my body. Like it was just anything you can name. And I had it, adrenal fatigue, thyroid, all this stuff. So it was actually, I kind of credit it to me just starting on the HCG diet. And then the doctor being very direct and saying, Hey, this is great. You can lose the weight but you need a sustainable lifestyle after this because you can't go back to eating all the grains and the dairy and the soy. It was just 
putting on so much weight on you and your body doesn't like that, that the food sensitivity test clearly says it. So shift it around, look at a paleo protocol, see how you feel. And I did that and I was losing, even after HCG, like a pound a day, just it was melting off because I had so much inflammation. You know, a lot of it was water weight and just toxic stuff that I was getting rid, rid of in my body because I wasn't having the intake of the grains and the dairy and the soy anymore. Yes. Yeah. And so after that, how long ago is that? You said that you were like 24, 25? Gosh, um, that's when I kind of had the, the quarter life crisis and I was like, I got to look at health. Um, so almost, yeah, almost 10 years ago, actually. Yeah, just wow. about. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. since, and then from that point, how did it evolve into like more of a spiritual, emotional path for you? Um, I was raised in a very traditional Catholic Christian home. So there was always this uh, message from my mom and my parents like, hey, there is a, a creator, whatever you want to call it, creator, universe, God. And I saw how it helped um, my mom just weather so many storms emotionally. So I, I kind of knew in my heart, okay, there, the spirituality aspect is really important. So it was always in the background, but then when um, she passed in 2013, very unexpectedly, and growing up, I thought, oh my gosh, this is the thing that's gonna just be the hardest thing in life. Cause her, she and I were like Gilmore girls, Lorelai and Rory Gilmore, <laughs> we were best friends. And my dad had passed when I was about 10. So she was like, I only had one parent left. So when she passed very unexpectedly, I, I gave myself a year to just eat, pray, love it, figure it out <laughs> just to get through it. And I leaned so heavily on spirituality and that was just a grounding force for me to kind of get through that loss. And, and I wanted to grieve it when it happened because I had friends that had had so many huge losses in their lives, but they kind of put it in the back burner and they didn't deal with it. So then 10 years later, five years later, they said, okay, I'll deal with it now. And then they had to open the wound back up again. Right. And I thought I'm already in the shit storm. Sorry for the, that's okay. <laughs> uh, like I'm already in the storm, the poop storm and let me deal with it now. And I did. And I just, I just went heavy to spirituality. Yeah. And how did, God, thank you so much for sharing this. And yeah. How, how did that, like, what kind of resources, I guess for anybody that's listening that may be going through something similar, what kind mm-hmm. of, where, what was your starting point? Like what, how did you even know like where to begin? Yeah. Where to start. Right. You know, if you're in a place of gosh, grieving and loss, I think it's important to just be still and and know that what is meant to come to you will come to you. Meaning if you drive by um, a bookstore and you're like, I just want to go look in and you're, well, you can't right now, but <laughs> maybe, you, maybe you can right now, maybe you can't. I don't know where you live because of all this stuff going on, but go to a bookstore, walk around, see what calls to you. Um, go on YouTube. Google um, just meditation, right? If even just getting still and like a quick prayer, something like that, that's a start. What was really amazing for me was just being in nature. And that's where I felt created, like connected to a creator divine source. And I went to, for example, I went to Sedona maybe about a month after my mom passed. And I told one friend and I said, look, if I go off the radar, I'm in Sedona, here's the hotel, <laughs> I'm alive, right? Because I heard Sedona was so spiritual. You have amazing hikes, there's a lot of healers there. And there's something about that just geographic location that is healing for people. And when I got there, I just was in awe of the, the mountains, the red rocks, everything that was there. And I felt like I was being nurtured. I felt like I was supported. 
And it was so refreshing because I could go on a hike. Nobody would be around me. And if I needed to break down and cry, I broke down and I cried. If I needed to just feel what was going on, I could feel it. And so often now we're disconnected from nature and we're on our phones and just so much stimulation that we kind of lower the voice of, of what's in our gut and our higher selves and creator. And we're like, why do I feel so alone? Well, <laughs> you're shutting everything off and you're plugged into something that is not, um, it, it's not source. It, it's not that nature effect. It's not that connection to, to the universe. And getting in nature was a really big part of it for me when I started out. So I would say just get in nature and don't be listening to a podcast. Don't be listening to music. Just, just be and, and start there. Start there. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And how did that impact, I guess, evolve into your practice or were you already a counselor at the time or a therapist? Um, I already had my master's degrees in, in psychotherapy. So I did take some time off after she passed to just regroup and say, okay, what, what the heck is going on? And in that regrouping period, I kind of connected the dots of, okay, this is hitting me really hard and I'm grieving, but I thought it would have hit me harder. Why is that? And so I started looking at how I was living my life and my lifestyle versus a lot of people that when you're in grief and it's understandable, I can appreciate how when you're in grief, you want to eat the tasty food. You want to go have drinks, all these different ways to self-soothe, right? Um, but I had that time after her passing to reevaluate like, okay, I just got a major pattern interrupt in life. It, there, I'm at a new fork now because what I thought my life was going to look like with my mom in it isn't there anymore. So what is this blank canvas in front of me now? What do I want to do? And that's when I connected the dots of, okay, my nutrition is helping me to not be in this uh, as bad of a depressive state as I thought I would have been. Um, okay, maybe I want to help people with nutrition and the mindset so they don't have to go through this so they can feel better in life and get to that next step that they want to get to. So that container helped me connect the dots. And then I started going back to school for nutrition and studying that. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And what got you, I guess, involved in, in counseling in the first place or therapy, psychotherapy? Yeah. I, growing up, I was always the person that people would go to, like, between periods or at recess or the friend, my friends would call me at the end of the day, like, oh my gosh, can I talk to you? I've just had such a hard day. I'd be like, okay, sure. And then they'd start talking to me. And I loved helping people and being that container and space for them. And I thought, okay, like this is, it just, my heart was like, you, you're meant to help people in this capacity, you know? I mean, I, I even still get Uber drivers. Like I tell them what I do. They're like, oh, really? You're a coach. You used to be a therapist. Here's what's going on. I'm like, okay, <laughs> got it. Let's see what we can do. Right. <laughs> it's just kind of always happened. Yeah. And so how has that evolved in the last couple of years? What is your, like, how yeah. your current practice look like? Currently it's coaching. So everything is done on zoom or, you know, a call or FaceTime. And I, in the last want to say couple years have incorporated neuro-linguistic programming or NLP, which is basically just the study of communication and you work with your unconscious mind, meaning you're the part of yourself that directs your thoughts, beliefs, actions, what you do. 95% of that is unconscious. And with the NLP and the tools and techniques I've learned, I can help people and coach them to say, okay, here's a belief you've had for the last 20, 30 years, 10 years, however long. This can be released in a matter of minutes. And that was very different than what I was taught in graduate 
school, you know, therapy takes years. You have to just, you know, keep going and you're going to be in therapy for a long time. Whereas now with these tools, it's way faster. It's like years of therapy in minutes because you go in and you work with the unconscious mind with rewiring your brain essentially and releasing those old thought patterns and emotions that get stored in your body and your physiology and you release it and then you can implement a newer place, a newer belief in its place. It's like updating an app, you know, apps essentially for everybody zero to seven. That's where you kind of have this concrete um, imprinting phase. So that's where we get a lot of our beliefs, our um, perceptions on what life should be, everything zero to seven. That's kind of like the base state. And so when you're, you know, in your 20s, 30s plus, it's like, okay, upgrade the app on your phone, <laughs> upgrade yeah. the app in your brain and your soul. Like, what old programming and messages you got, do they still work? Are they working for you? Or would you rather have something that's going to be more beneficial for you in life now? And that's what I essentially do in the coaching with the mindset work. Yes. Oh, mm -hmm. One second, I'm plugging in my computer, but I'm so excited yeah. to dive yeah. this more. <laughs> Sorry about that. You're good. So, um, around this, so I think this is huge. And I think so many people, we need to hear this, that 95% of our, our actions are just unconscious programming conditioning. And mm -hmm. it's like, why do we keep falling in the same loops? Why do I keep acting this way towards my partner? Yeah. Or why do I keep eating when I'm not, when I know consciously mm -hmm. this is not right for me. And so, yeah. yeah so what are, um, I guess, how do we, tap into our unconscious that you said through the NLP, but can you expand a little more on that? Yeah. What it looks like is I always kind of start off with a, like a grounding meditation and I tell people leave some prior knowledge at the door. And I know this is, might be like a mantra people here in yoga class, um, but leave prior knowledge at the door, meaning whatever you've been told before about yourself or how you function or what you're capable of, leave it at the door. And I want you to just allow this time in our, our coaching session as like a thought experiment. Okay. Get curious with why you do what you do. And if you approach it with some curiosity, it's more, there's less judgment there. And you're kind of looking at it a bit more objectively, like, okay, awareness. Why do I do these certain things? Why do I go to this certain food when I'm feeling tired or sad? Why do I have this reaction with my partner? Why do I procrastinate in business, right? Why am I not putting more time into my health? And starting with a curiosity kind of takes that, um, that judgment off your actions. And then I would just say awareness is the first step. And learning the NLP communication tools helps because then you can have conversations with your partner, be it business or a coach or friend and say, hey, I'm noticing that you maybe have this kind of reaction in this situation. What is that about? How can I support you in this, right? That is a different conversation than saying, hey, every time we go here, you do this and you act like this. And it's such a more negative connotation and it's not a, a productive container into which you can have a conversation. So learning the tools, how to communicate and the awareness is a very big first step. Having that curiosity with yourself is, is big. Yes. And what do you think for like, I guess, practices that people use to release emotions? Mm -hmm. Like you've mentioned, like not needing years of therapy, you can actually just right. do it in a matter of minutes or seconds. And so like, yeah. what kind of work have you seen? Or like, what do you, what do you recommend pe for people? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, mental and emotional release is a tool that I use and it is clinically, there are randomized controlled trials behind this technique. Um, they're out of Orange County and I know Dr. Matt James and um, Dr. Gideon, forgot his last name, but this is a, an NLP technique where you release major emotions like anger, anger, sadness, fear, hurt, guilt, and I add on shame because um, Brene Brown just put that on the map for me. Yeah. I was like, we need to add this to there. And those are the major emotions that we often carry that have a lot of charge in the body and can drive our actions and cause us to have negative beliefs. So for example, if somebody, um, trying to think, so I'll, I'll give this example. Um, when I was really young, I didn't, I was 10 years old. So when my father passed and he had cancer, it was, we knew this was coming. I had so much anger, I had so much anger towards creator or God. And I was like, why did you do this? Why did you um, take my father away? Right. And that's, as an adult, you look at that, you think that's not how it works. But as a child, that was how I felt, right? That was the emotion that was there. And so I had so much just anger. Like I knew I needed spirituality, but there was this like a like love hate thing with it. <laughs> and when I got those techniques, mental, emotional release, I thought, okay, this is a big thing I need to re release and let go of. Because me being angry at creator or spirit, whatever, it's not serving me in any way. It's keeping me from diving deeper and really connecting to, to creator. So I used the techniques to release anger, um, sadness, you know, those major emotions, right? Those six major emotions. And that allowed me to have a deeper spiritual practice and connection. And now I look back and I think, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I used to think that way for like, let's see, 10 to about 28. Um, so 18 years, almost 20 years. I was holding on to this like and heavy anger. Like I had um, liver problems and in Chinese medicine, liver um, correlates with anger, the emotion of anger. And my liver started to heal when I released that heavy anger that I had. And that process that I took myself through to get through all those emotions, maybe a little over an hour to, to release the major emotions to that event and that belief that had stuck with me for like almost 20 years. Wow. Yeah. And you were able to do that on yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Cause this is a, a technique I use with almost all my clients. So it's, so ingrained in me now that I can do that on myself and have the release. Yes. And mm -hmm. I think this is so important for people to hear that how much these like negative emotions or things that we're holding do manifest into health issues. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Like as clean as you can make your diet. And if you're running mm -hmm. every day and you're exercising and you're drinking the water, it's just like, if you're holding on to something like that. Like it mm -hmm. just does. It manifests into, into illness or attracts things into your life. Yeah. That you don't realize what you're putting out. Well, and then you kind of, that becomes your baseline. Meaning if somebody, if you ask somebody, Hey, are you, do you have a stressful life? And they're like, no, not really. But they've kind of normalized ha always having the, the anger, the sadness, the fear, the frustration, whatever it is, it becomes normal. And they think, no, I'm not really stressed. And then you ask them traumas and then they say, well, I was, you know, thankfully I'm not a veteran. I have not been through anything traumatic. I have not had anything like a car accident or anything like that. And then I give my example, like I just gave with, you know, the passing of my father and they're, they sit there and they say, oh, then yeah, there's some stuff I could benefit from releasing. And it's important, like you said, to put this on the radar and think of, Trauma isn't the traditional definition we've been given to slap on it, you know. 
it, it can be very subjective for somebody. It all depends on does that event affect you as a person? And if you make the call, like, yes, this was something that was very, um, like a milestone for me, it was traumatic, then it was, and you have the opportunity to release it. Yes. I think this is another important point is, yeah, like not comparing your trauma to someone else's or, or like what is a trauma because something that can seem so small from your perspective of like your current adult self, like as a child could have been just wrecked you, like just being embarrassed, yeah. just being embarrassed in class or mm-hmm. like being rejected by on like by a guy or something. It's just like, you should be able to just like get over it, but it can really hurt, especially like you said, between at age zero and seven. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Man, this is awesome. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for sharing all of this. Yeah. And do you you I know so you said you're NLP coach and then also NTP is that what it? Yeah, nutritional therapy. Okay. Okay, I wasn't quite sure what that meant. Um, amazing. And so I guess kind of going on that end of the conversation, mm-hmm. um, I know you've been doing or explored the carnivore. Yeah. a little bit. Yeah. What, what, what got you into that? I probably like so many of your, of your listeners, I am a podcast junkie. So yeah. there's, I'm always listening to podcasts and books. And, um, I had heard of the carnivore diet on gosh, some other podcast. And I thought, okay, you know, the, the nerd in me is like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Cause I knew that I needed to be eating more red meat. I just had never had a taste for it, you know? And then I started to dig into the research on hormonal health, especially for women. And I'm like, man, I just eat chicken and fish and maybe beef once or twice a month back then. And my hormonal levels were in the tank. I mean, I looked probably about to head into menopause, you know, like my hormones were just in the, in the gutter. And so I researched it and I thought, okay, all I have to do is primarily protein, which is an easy thing for me and maybe cut back on smoothies or shakes or salads or whatever, less prep fine. And I started experimenting with it and I felt like the inflammation just kind of really easily melted off. And inflammation, people are like, well, it doesn't matter because it's water weight, da, da, da. And I'm thinking, tell that to your genes that are so uncomfortable in this Texas heat, okay? <laughs> tell that to your joints that are experiencing pain, right? Because of inflammation or even your moods, right? If you have inflammation in your brain, your moods are not gonna be great. So I started experimenting with it and saw great, I didn't see like a dramatic weight loss because I'm fairly close to where I want to be as far as like body comp, but I just could tell, I just felt more energetic and I, I didn't have a bloat, you know, and the water weight just wasn't sticking to me at all anymore. So yeah. that was really great. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And, and I did carnivore-ish because I was like, oh gosh, give up avocados and I still do some dark chocolate. You know, I do Taza chocolate and only has two grams of sugar. Um, that's a treat for me, but to just completely give it all up to somebody who loves to cook and entertain like me, I just was like, all right, I'll go ish, carnivore-ish <laughs> and see how my body does. Yes. And I yeah. think that's a great point because I think sometimes people turn it off because they they're not ready to go to that full spectrum. And it's like, you don't have to, this is, this right. is a spectrum. Like just maybe press the needle a little bit to see what, how your body responds. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, sustainability, it matters. Like, do you enjoy it? Like, is this something that you like? Like, mm-hmm. I think I'm a weirdo. Cause I really like, <laughs> I really like just eating meat. Like that's easy for yeah. my mind. Um, yeah. I'm, still, I'm still modifying, but I think it's awesome that you um, just experimenting with your body and noticing it with your hormone health. Absolutely. Absolutely. Having that freedom and knowing like everybody is different and not everybody, but everybody. And so what works for one person, it's not going to automatically work for the other. You have this opportunity to have a relationship with your body. And the easiest way to tell if something is working for you is 
get some baseline labs, meaning like hormone health, metabolic health, um, vitamin D, blood sugar, thyroid, have a nutritional protocol in place three months, see how you feel, just have that relationship with yourself and how you're feeling, redo your labs and see how it is. I mean, that's kind of what I tell everybody. There's no one size fits all for everybody. And that's why carnivore-ish, that kind of worked for me, you know, a little bit. I have to cycle it um, for my hormonal health. Yes, I love this. And definitely getting the labs and being mindful of that. Because like, I think we've talked about before, is just the dogma versus, or dogma equals disconnect. So like just getting attached to carnivore and then just like not paying attention when you miss a period or you are breaking out or you just don't feel good. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. well, there's something here. Um, it doesn't mean that you have to throw the baby out with the bathwater and be like, carnivore sucks. I, this doesn't work. It's right. like, wait, no, it may be really great for you. You can just add some tweaks and then it's like, mm-hmm. oh, now I feel awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. I had to um, go more. I can be more kind of stricter carnivore during certain hormonal cycles. So like during, um, let's say right after your menstrual cycle, that's like your uh, follicular phase for the ladies out there. That's like about seven days where in that follicular and ovulatory phase, you can be, you can kind of do calorie restriction a little bit, right? Do some lower calories because your body has less cortisol at that moment, at those two weeks. So you can maybe intermittent fast 12 hours, do a little lower calorie. You can do some hit cardio at that point. All good. So this then is after you can, your after your period ends. Right. That would be yeah. like so follicular is like, yeah, seven to ten days after your bleed stops. And then ovulatory right after that, three to five days. I mean, it varies from person to person. You can do um calorie restriction, intermittent fast, do the hit work, you know, the boot camps, all the things. And that's cool. Then you get to your uh, luteal phase, which comes after ovulation. And that's about seven to 10 days. That seven to 10 days. And then on your actual menstrual cycle during your bleed week, those two, you need more calories because you have higher cortisol in your body. So doing a lot of restriction, a lot of HIT, um, if you're feeling stressed by any protocol, not just carnivore, right? If you're keto or anything else, maybe do a little bit more carbs. It doesn't mean you have to be high carb. You can still be lower carb, but some sweet potatoes, parsnips, broccoli, uh, maybe some fruit, right? Some seasonal fruit, if you feel okay with that. Do some of those sources, because as a woman, your hormonal profile, if you restrict calories during those two phases, the luteal and your menstrual phase, um, you actually turn on fat storage and turn on muscle wasting. And this is not me. I got this information from Elisa Vitti, her book in the flow, highly recommend it. And I'm like, holy crap. This is why women are on this hamster wheel of why can't I get the body comp I want? Cause you can't wake up every morning and do the hit and have this 5 a.m. morning routine and restrict, restrict, restrict and fast and like never eat a carb because certain hormonal cycles, you need more of that because you're a woman, we're different. We have a different physiology. I mean, different hormonal profile. And so that's the opportunity of like, okay, how would I switch carnivore up a little bit for myself as a woman and experiment, see how you feel, see how you feel hormonally, your energy, right? and assess from there make the call yourself yes thank you so much for sharing this and i i'm experiencing this right now with myself and I, i've shared it with you but even like mm-hmm. that that luteal phase i definitely experienced this month like insatiable hunger and yeah. my body just wanted yep carbs and mm-hmm. i was like okay well i'm so i've been doing carnivore and i was like i'm gonna do i'm gonna get a potato yeah, one potato, and it was just like, yeah. oh, okay, this is what I just needed. This, yeah. And, like, and then now I have zero cravings for potato. Like, I don't want anything. But like in that, it was like a couple of days. It was just like yeah. my body was like, we need something else. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I think that's a very good conversation to have. Like, 
we've kind of always been told as women, okay, well, you have a slower metabolism, your brain is slower, uh, you need to work in spite of your body, just push through the cravings, just push through, like, just don't give in. And I'm sitting there now with this knowledge and awareness I have of like, okay, it doesn't work that way for women. If you just, if you wouldn't have had the, you know, ability to say, you know what, I'm just going to have the potato. <laughs> I'm going to, this is not going to like wreck everything, one sweet potato or potato. And then you noticed, okay, I don't have the carb cravings anymore. Beautiful. You have that awareness now. Whereas if you would have just been and grew through it, and then you get to your menstrual phase and you're like, give me all the potatoes and all the land. I want a bag of sweet potato chips. I want carbs. Like, cause that's what happens. And that's why people, women say, why am I so hungry during my cycle. Why do I want all the carbs and all the chocolate? Well, if you keep restricting in that week before, and even on that week, it just builds and builds and builds. And your body's like, we need more fuel. We need more nutrients. And listening to your body like you did was beautiful. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think that fig figuring that out too, it's also reconnecting with your goals. Like, is your goal to just be like, that strict carnivore for the sake of it for the sake of like mm -hmm. just being able to say that you like didn't have a potato <laughs> or it's like yes. what is your actual health goal like i want to be optimal i want to have healthy periods like that is such a sign i want to be fertile and i want to give my body what it needs and so it's like that's to reconnect with the goal and realize when if you get trapped in like a what a research paper says or like what mm -hmm. yeah so i think yeah and, and for women, you know, like they measures like vital measures. So like blood pressure, temperature, um, all these things for women, I want to say it was 2015, the college, American College of Obstetrics, I believe, said that your menstrual cycle is your fifth vital sign. Mm -hmm. So you go in and you have a cycle that's 40 days or you don't have a cycle or you have amenorrhea that's a vital sign now. So ladies, it's not something to be ignored. Whether, whether you want to have children or not, your hormonal health and having that fertility is crucial to your health. And then even to like later years in life, your menopausal years and like postmenopausal, we're investing in our health down the road right now. When we look at these, um, how these protocols work with our bodies or don't work with them. And that's what I like to just plant that seed in, in every woman now, like, okay, this is working now. Maybe you tweak it. Maybe you don't. And know that you're investing in your health later in life. You're investing in your hormonal health. So menopause is smoother of a transition. And so you have a much more beautiful time with it then. Yeah. And so if we can talk about like what ways people can kind of honor their bodies more throughout their cycle, like I know for me, mm -hmm. not fasting um, helped me get like, start getting my cycle back. Mm -hmm. um, so other things, could we speak on that? Like what, yeah. what can you can so, do? I mean, you're dead on your, your gut was right. Fasting 12 hours is kind of like the max for women that are still menstruating. So if you're menopausal, postmenopausal, you can do a 16, eight hour fast, all good. But if you're still menstruating, 12 hours max, because once you go past 12 hours, your hormones start to just go wackadoodle. <laughs> it, it doesn't love it. So I would say 12 hour fast tops, um, really watching uh, adrenal health as well, because when we start to make that transition in, into menopause, you still have, your hormones are made from your adrenal glands right now. And then like cholesterol. So like eating the red meat, right? But once you are on the other end of menopause, everything, your hormone output is like just strictly from your adrenals. Like 100%, your ovaries aren't contributing anymore. And so right now, if we make the investment of, adrenal health, maybe that supplementation 
maybe that's really checking in and saying, okay, do I have coping mechanisms for stress? What do I have implemented in my life for self-care? Um, am I just going and pushing and doing a CrossFit workout day or like a weights day? Cause I want to put the check there, even though I feel like hot garbage when I go <laughs> and I'm wrecked after for two to three days, that's biofeedback from your body saying, Hey girl, you might've pushed it too much. So having that, um, love and care for your adrenals and saying, okay, maybe I don't do CrossFit today. Maybe I do some weights, but I take a slower pace and I don't do as heavy of weights. So you're still getting out there. You're still working, but you're not burning your adrenals out or like causing adrenal insufficiency. That's a big one, adrenal health. I would also say um, staying clear of industrial seed oils. So when women have cramps, they're like, why do I have such like biblical cramps in the words of Elisa Vitti? <laughs> like, why are the cramps so biblical? Well, your body will produce prostaglandins. There's three, three different prostaglandins your body produces. PG1 is to help your body kind of have a smoother menstrual cycle. Prostaglandin two, you make more of that when you eat canola, um, PUFAs, industrial seed oils, things like that. And that prostaglandin two from the canola and a lot of nuts and seeds will make you, put you in a place so you make more cramps essentially. Your body will have more cramps during your cycle. So if somebody's like, man, I have really bad cramps. Check industrial seeds and anything you have that's packaged. If you're doing a lot of nut butters and almond flours, maybe scale back a little bit, do some coconut flour, coconut butter instead, and um, sleep. <laughs> sleep is huge. That's where we get a hormonal reef, like refresh. And as a woman, we need about 20 minutes more sleep than men for our brain just to get through that glymphatic system and to kind of detox our brain as well. Cause your brain detoxes when you sleep. So prioritize sleep. Those are, um, those are the main ones. And then check caffeine and alcohol consumption and see how you feel with that, which is hard. I know, <laughs> <laughs> I know that one's hard. Um, and see how you feel with that. Yeah. For sure. And like, yeah, those low hanging fruits with the seed oils and even, yeah, just the common inflammatory foods to start off with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was going to ask you for, for people who are like listening to this and sometimes it's hard to, to not push yourself. Like the, there's such a fear also on gaining weight, the mm -hmm. fear of body image of like, well, if I don't go do that hit workout, or if I do sleep in and like, mm -hmm. so what, what are your beliefs around, or what are you like, what can you offer to help people kind of break through that mindset? Yeah. The, the curiosity piece comes back to mind. So I would say just have some time for yourself and just write down, what do I intrinsically believe about my body and weight and how it looks and what do I think I should and have to do in order to have whatever it is, if it's an aesthetic or check it off the list, getting that awareness of where you got that programming and those beliefs, great first start. And also, okay, let's say somebody says, I feel like I have to look a certain way in order to get X, Y, Z, right? Okay, cool. Once you get X, Y, Z, what happens next, right? You reach this pinnacle of a certain body composition or fitting into the genes from high school, right? Or whatever it is, what next and why is that? What does it mean? And why is there so much importance on that for you? Like really get into it. And then it kind of starts to unconsciously unravel like, a lot of the programming and like lies women have been told or even men as well. Um, you only get love if you do X, Y, Z, look a certain way, have a certain career. 
have a certain Instagram presence, whatever it is, right? Okay, well, why do you believe that? Who told you you had to believe that, right? Um, that awareness is a great first start. And then start to cultivate Instagram feeds, podcasts, whom you talk to, what do your friends value as well, right? Because if you're in a space where after that awareness, you sit there and you think, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to put that kind of pressure on myself. I want to believe something different. I want to have a better relationship with my body. If you are continuously around people that just care about like vanity metrics and don't value health, that's going to kind of almost deter you at times versus if you surround yourself with a community that says, you know what? I really honor and respect that if you have to do something a little differently for your health and wellness, cool. And having those conversations with those friends, like, you know what? I do struggle with my body image. I know it might sound weird to you all, but it it's something I struggle with. And that's not always easy to say. It is not. Um, but I feel like once somebody says it, then in the back of everybody else's mind, they're like, well, yeah. And then you might have like go off to a corner and somebody comes to you and they're like, thanks for saying that. You know, I really struggle with this too. And I just didn't feel comfortable saying it in front of the group, but I'd love to talk about this sometime because just having that other person that you can say that to, huge relief because you know you're not alone in it. And I think it's much more common than we're led to believe that it is. And, um, and also just, I think sometimes Instagram and, um, TikTok and all the things they give us this perception of how people look and then you can meet them in real life and they look so different and not in a, in a bad way, but you're like, you look so different on social media. Like, I don't understand. So everything you see on social media too, is not, it's, it's not the reality of it also totally. that's a good start yeah thank you and yeah i think it's important like the people we do see on instagram we don't know what their hormones look like we don't no. know if they're miserable <laughs> in the background yeah. they may look a certain way but and it's something that i have to remind myself of too and it's it's a balance of balancing especially being in a, like a coach in the space like you there is a perceived like well if i don't look mm -hmm. like super fit like how who's gonna listen to me right and so it's yeah. about people, like but i need to listen to myself and take care of myself and give my body what it needs mm -hmm. like do you have um energy do you have a sex drive do you feel good about yourself and your body do you um are you happy right like those are markers that a six-pack will not tell you okay <laughs> is I have met people that just look phenomenal. And I'm like, just, you're like the inspiration. And then you talk to them and they're like, I know I feel like shit because I'm just pushing myself too much. And they have a six pack, that's great. But if you lose your sex drive, if you lose your zest for life at the expense of a photo and your health eventually, that's your call to make, but it's a call that it like everybody needs to know just because you have a certain look doesn't mean you're healthy. You could be metabolically un unhealthy and have a six pack. It sounds weird. It's possible, you know, <laughs> and don't do it at an, at the expense of just a look because at some point your health will, will tell you, Hey, we cannot be doing this anymore. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. That's just so good. <laughs> I think it needs to be yeah. definitely heard and to release comparison to a lot of people because we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Really don't. Mm -mm. And I guess for, for wrapping up, mm -hmm. if you could give three pieces of advice to listeners who are struggling with their health or with their body image or anything mental if you three pieces of advice what would you mm -hmm. leave people with i believe to start off with i believe that we are all more 
powerful and capable than we've been led to believe. I believe a lot of that um, strength that you have unconsciously in your spirit can direct how your body acts and reacts and heals and has the uh, capacity to be strong and vibrant and healthy and just know that your unconscious mind and your spirit are so powerful. Everybody, I've heard people say, man, humans are just dumb. I'm like, oh my gosh, that hurts my heart to hear that. No, you are so smart, but you were programmed and told you have limits and there's only a certain capacity and you can only release emotions in years of therapy and da da da. No. <laughs> You determine what you want to believe in your life and you are more powerful than you've been led to believe. That's one, I feel like everybody should feel empowered. Um, two, I believe that what we, what we surround ourselves with, food, nutrition, um, social media, books, all the things, that really does determine a lot of our actions. So being very conscious and aware of cultivating a tribe of people that you really connect with and that actually kind of challenge you to be a better person, right? And grow because that is something that I've seen people get deterred, like they're on fire, right? And then they go home and visit family or relatives or go to a different environment that isn't as higher of a vibration or beneficial or aligned with what they are currently doing. And then they derail super fast. So environment is really important as well. And then um, personal growth and development kind of wraps up with spirituality for me. And that is something that investing in yourself, maybe it's a meditation course, maybe it's a coach, maybe it's um, a book, right, on how to divine tap into your divine feminine or, or your, your masculine, right, for the men that are listening, that is one of the best investments you can make. Because when you invest in yourself and you grow as a person, all these other things kind of are like a domino effect from there. Because I, I'm a Joe Dispenza fan. <laughs> Me too. So um, he just talks about how when you're so tapped into personal growth and development and spirituality, what you kind of manifest in your life comes from there. So if you're working on yourself nonstop and you're letting go of things that don't serve you anymore and you're kind of vibing at a higher place and more positive, you can make massive change in your life. And that's empowering. And that provides so much freedom for people too. Freedom is a big thing for me. So working on yourself isn't really work. It's an investment. So invest in yourself, I would say. That would be the third one. Beautiful. These are amazing. These are, these are my three favorite that I've heard. These are so good. Awesome. Um, <laughs> and for, um, I'm, I'm meant to ask you about the divine feminine and yeah. if we can really quick rabbit hole down that yeah. <laughs> um, totally. <laughs> so ways to to reconnect to our fem like for the the female listeners how can we connect to even the male listeners to connect to yeah. our divine feminine and everybody has masculine and feminine in them and for the men listening i would say perk up tune up your ears because you have mothers sisters friends girlfriends wives whomever in your life that if you understand how the divine feminine works, then you can be a support for them and your relationship with that woman in your life will shift for the better. So that's, that's always a hot tip I give the men. Um, to tap into that, I would say really decide, again, baseline, curiosity. What do I believe about myself as a woman and where do I feel like my value comes from? Where does, where do, where do these thoughts that I have come from, right? Um, do I believe, so for example, I grew up only child and I come from a Latin family. And it was very interesting because my 
mom was one of eight kids <laughs> and eight kids, three girls. And the women were always the ones that had to take care of mom and dad. Um, they just were in charge of everything, meaning they did all the work and they would have opinions about certain things. And my uncles kind of wouldn't listen. So very like old programming of, well, a good woman just kind of like complies and doesn't have a voice. And my mom was not that way. <laughs> and so I got that from her. So for me, it's always been, I have a voice. I'm going to speak up. And it's not, oh, you're being difficult. Oh, you're being loud. Oh, you're just whatever. I'm like, no. I have a voice and I'm going to give my opinion and communicate that in a healthy way, right? Because so often women were told like, well, you're either a bitch at work or you're just really quiet and you don't get anywhere. And I think, well, yeah, that's pendulum swing, right? Like one end and the other, but what about the middle? That's where the magic happens. And you kind of get to decide, what do I believe a healthy woman can do and communicate? and it's okay for me to take time off during the month and like not go to CrossFit all the time and not do the calorie restriction. And it's okay. It's hot as heck right now in Texas, right? Like it's okay for me to not wear the skinny jeans and put on a flowy dress. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that I've gained weight or that I'm not fit and like sexy anymore. That's just, I'm honoring the rhythms and cycles of who I am as a woman. And everybody each and every woman gets to decide what do you believe and who do you want to be and you get to write that script nobody else has the authority to tell you that <laughs> they don't and really surrounding yourself with women that embody the positive feminine because there's a, a shadow meaning like so people say toxic masculinity that's the shadow side of masculinity but then there's also the light, positive of masculinity, right? Men that can be very um, caring towards women and can flow in and out of masculinity in a positive, healthy way, right? The same goes for, for women. Surround yourself with amazing women that you feel are working in the light and that will help you. Um, and then a few books I feel like that are really, really pivotal. One is, I have it right here, it's ready. Uh, this is Marianne Williamson. It's called A Woman's Worth. And it's a quick, easy read too. It's a short book. It was very refreshing to read and tap into the um, divine feminine. And then um, Elisa Vitti is, uh, she's a nutritional therapist. And I, I mentioned her quite a bit in this um, podcast, but she has a book called Woman Code and In the Flow. Those are great to really help you figure out, okay, I'm a woman. What are my hormonal rhythms and cycles and emotions? What am I going through? It's, it's embarrassing to say, but in my 30 some years of life, there are things I learned about myself as a woman physiologically that I didn't know until I read this book. And I'm like, why did nobody tell me? <laughs> I was not aware of this. And when you have that awareness, it normalizes a lot of things for you as a woman. And you're like, oh, okay. It's not that there's something wrong with me or I'm broken or I can't keep up with this biohacking world. It's that I'm a woman and I am, I'm just different. We're a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful beings. And we're this intricate snowflake, right? And so nuanced and complex. And there's various colors of the rainbow within us. And, um, it's, it's just a different structure than it is for men. So knowing that it's okay to be different than a man. And um, Dr. Jolene Brighton is the last woman that I just love her. She has a book called Beyond the Pill, which if you're on hormonal birth control and wanting to figure out what's going on with your body, how to get off it, how to nurture your body being on it, she's a fabulous resource and very much a, an advocate for women too. Awesome. I'm writing all these down. I'll put them in the show notes. Yeah. Before. Oh, thank you so much for this. Absolutely. And what are, what are you working on now? And like, how can people find you? Yeah, I have um, a three, 
a free three-part video series on how to release anxiety anywhere and fast. So these are three different techniques. They're videos that you would get. And this is something that you can listen to in your car on a five to 15 minute break. And it's me guiding you through three different processes. You don't have to do all three. You can do just one. And if you're like midday and work has been kind of stressful, do one of these techniques, see how well it works, and then just keep re-listening to the videos and learning them. And you'll have these techniques in the back pocket when you're feeling stressed or have anxiety kick in. Like, okay, just give me like five minutes to like get this tool out release the anxiety, cortisol level goes back down, and you have that hormonal health kind of deposit in the bank account now because you're managing your stress levels. That's something free they can do. I will provide you the link for that. And I'm also working on a course on how to rewire your brain. Um, that's something I took a poll on Instagram um, earlier this summer, and everybody's like, Anxiety is great, but we want to learn how to rewire our brain and like these release techniques at home. Yeah. So that's a course that I'm working on right now. Amazing. I cannot wait. I will be taking yeah. the course. Yes. Everybody needs to have these tools. I want everybody to have the tools. Yeah. Yes. And um, I guess so connect with you on Instagram. At yeah. Creatively Nourished on Instagram. That is where I'm most active. Um, and then um, I'm rarely on Facebook. <laughs> you drive me there, but Instagram is really the place where I'm at. Awesome. Yeah. Yay, Annette. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And I will Absolutely. definitely, yeah, I will put your information in the show notes so people can connect with you. And yeah. awesome. Thanks for having me on. You're thank welcome. You. <laughs>